I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> that was, uh, I... Do you have a rim shot? Can, can I get a rim shot? Can I get... <laughs> I set that up for you to spike it. That was, that was good. All right, welcome in, everybody, the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host here, Mr. Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Both of us on the Fantasy Life app at Important Nonsense. Neil, how's it going tonight? Doing well. Doing well. Just chuckling at the Browns and aptitude for what is this? The must be the millionth day in a row. Yeah, pretty much constantly, right? Yeah, early, the uh, the news earlier today about them uh, releasing Joe Hayden. Well, first thing this morning they said was uh, that they were very aggressively looking to trade Joe Hayden, and then it came Which that out. That never works, by the way. Yeah, exactly. That's, and then that strategy never works because then people just know that if you can't get it done, he'll be waiting for him them on the waiver wire. Yeah, about an hour later, it came out he got cut. And then, like, four or five hours after that, he signed with Pittsburgh. They're, uh, they're in-division rivals, so twice a year he can uh, he can go against them. That's nice. I mean, he's on the back nine of his career, or at least being elite at his position, right? so to say. But that being said, he was going to play every snap for the Browns yet again this right. season, more than likely. And he's theoretically better than just about anything Pittsburgh had on their roster. So, I want winners! Yeah, it worked out for them, and... <laughs> As usual, uh, the Browns kind of end up being the laughing stock of the NFL. I like the tweet, too, I saw earlier. I forget who it was. I'd give credit if I could remember. But uh, it was one of the beat reporters in Cleveland saying, uh, ironic because he was one of the few members on the Browns roster that actually understood how much the fan base hates the Steelers. And then he signed with the Steelers. <laughs> so that's just uh, it's Cleveland cash, being homie. Cleveland. Yeah. Straight cash, homie. Good news, everyone. Fantasy news from the NFL. The fantasy football news and information you need. The biggest fantasy news of the week. All right, so news this week kicking off with, of course, the injuries from over the weekend that kind of crushed a lot of people. If you've already drafted, I already saw uh, two or three lineups that had a combination of Julian Edelman and Spencer Ware or Spencer Ware and Cam Meredith or... Or some combination like that, where uh, two of your starters go down and your season's already in the trash before the NFL season's already kicked off. So this is why we always pound the table for a draft as late as possible, people. Because Yeah, that's uh, worth it, your $50 entry fee. Exactly. To this lose is, uh, before the season's even started. This is what can happen to you. And uh, my favorite was, uh, you know, shout out to, uh, to Will in the PFF Staff League whose comment when he drafted Julian Edelman was, quote, Mr. Dependable. And then uh, he goes down Friday night with a torn ACL after he just signed that extension. He's now done for the year. The uh, the biggest fantasy impact in your mind, Neil, for me, it's Brandon Cooks. Not that Brandon Cooks wasn't already a top 20 guy, uh, but just the fact that now it kind of solidified his role. Remember, we had this talk... Uh, earlier on our veterans show about Brandon Cooks and how I was a little skeptical because he was going super high and we didn't know his role with all the mouths to feed. He's kind of the clear-cut wide receiver option now, so I, I kind of like his stock more than I liked it before. I agree with most of that. I like his stock more than I liked it before in the sense that now I actually 
would be much more willing to take him in that 20-some-odd spot where you're going to have to. Correct. To actually have him on your team. You'd be much more inclined to do that now than with Edelman being on the roster, clearly. Still a little nervous about it, though. Because it's like any other Patriot that isn't named yes, Rob Yes, he's Gronkowski. still a New England Patriot. So uh, you, you have no ticket, clue. You take your chance. Yeah. You don't know. And then what it does for me, though, beyond that, it does solidify that a touch. But what it does for me, though, is it makes Chris Hogan and Danny Amendola have value again. To where, sure. in my mind before, they basically had no value, just about. Like, they were back-of-the-draft flyers. And if you got something, great. But... Now I could see them having to play considerably more. So it just it just moves them from back end of the draft flyers to back end of the draft flyers with a little bit more upside. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, so Chris Hogan right now is actually up to uh, the uh, overall 106 being drafted. He's up 65 slots since the Amendola news. So. You're paying a pretty good price to get Chris Hogan because you're not the only person that's had that thought. For me, it's an unproven guy that, I mean, he should see his role increased, but at the same time, like, somebody like Malcolm Mitchell can come out of nowhere and be a stud for this team because you just never know. Malcolm Mitchell, some guy I've never heard of. Exactly. None of us have ever heard of. Exactly. played at Grambling. That you've never seen, and he comes out, and he just starts tearing it up because he made one great catch. I mean, there's just too much kind of mystery to the whole thing. And I did not realize Chris Hogan had moved up 60 spots in what was effectively three days, basically. Right. <laughs> that's way too high. That's 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 way too high. You're playing with some serious fire at that point. Because at that point, you're thinking you're going to use Chris Hogan as like a flex at least a couple times a year. Exactly, you're relying on that way too much. Like uh, at 106, like I said in the format we use, which for those that didn't listen to the first show, it's 12 team PPR. So uh, by that metric, you're looking at probably about the ninth round to be able to get Chris Hogan, and he's going currently as what would that be? Wide receiver 41. So he's like right outside of uh of flex range, but if that's basically the price you're paying to be able to pick him up. Still, we still have another couple days before we're recording this on Wednesday. Check in on that on Saturday. Right. <laughs> See where he's still being drafted. Now, for the purposes of the Golden League, as we'll point out, the Chris Hogan thing is kind of moot. So really, it's yeah. it'd be more along the lines of like Danny Amendola right. or something it's like that. It's a late-round flyer, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Spencer Ware, same night. Almost at the same time is kind of creepy. Goes down. Uh, he ends up uh, injuring his LCL PCL in his knee, so he is also done for the year. Uh, as a result, Kareem Hunt has skyrocketed in value. Now, when this first happened, I said Ware base or uh, Hunt takes over Ware's position, which was 66 overall, RB25, right on the border of an RB2 because he's an unproven rookie. Ware was in that position because Hunt was there potentially sniping his job at some point. Uh, now that it's clearly Ware, or, uh, clearly Hunt and Ware is out, do you buy into the hype right now? Because he's currently going as 37 overall RB16. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. That's The hype train has is, is gone off the rails here a right. little bit. I mean, in a PPR, I sort of understand. Because in a weird way, RB2 and a PPR, sort of like the Golden League, could arguably be described as your least important position, right? depending on how your draft goes. 
So in that sense, I kind of get it. But RB sixteen, you're 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 drafting that guy to be a cornerstone of your team mm-hmm. at that point. It's not the other running backs I was worried about, frankly. It's it's at thirty seven overall. There are solid receiving options and the top of the tippy top tight ends available to you at that point if you want. I mean, to cash in a lot of chips on Kareem Hunt, you must be seeing something that I just don't think I'm seeing. Yeah, that's borderline RB1, and to give you a sense of it, he is going just behind Isaiah Crowell, two spots behind Christian McCaffrey, and he's actually going one spot ahead of Dalvin Cook and ahead of Ty Montgomery, Carlos Hyde, Belial Powell. Yeah, I, I definitely have a couple of those guys behind. The, flip that around a little bit. I mean, yeah. I, Dalvin Cook is a whole separate conversation. We just throw that away. That there's no reason for that to be there. But uh, yeah, I, I still say it's it's just a little bit too much hype for me. That's a yeah, that's but, a lot of investment for somebody that I've never really seen handle an NFL workload. Exactly. Like I said, I'm comfortable taking him where I said 60s in the 60s somewhere, 25 uh, RB 25 in that range. I think right now the hype train's just out of control. Meanwhile, uh, Cam Meredith on Sunday tore his ACL. It's not that he was going to be a gigantic fantasy producer for you, but he was the number one pass catcher on that offense, and he did have value for you last season as the Bears' number one. So now the question becomes, who is the Bears' number one, and do you even care? I don't think anyone particularly cares. I mean, <laughs> to answer the first question first, I, I think it's either – Kevin White, which I, which even then I don't think it is. I, I think it'll probably be Kendall Wright, because Kendall Wright at least has played NFL football at a meaningful level for a number of years. So I feel like that's probably who you roll out there, unless he's gonna play the slot the whole time. Then couldn't you have Victor Cruz do some of that? The whole thing is a mess at this point. The whole thing is a mess. I don't know that they even know who their one is gonna be properly. Okay, Marcus at this point. Wheaton, and they paid a ton of money to in the offseason too. Yeah, I just don't know what you're going to do there. Do you put Kevin White on the outside or do you put Wheaton on the outside, which is what you're paying, what in theory you were paying him to do, is right. be you know on the on the flanker and be the guy that runs down the field and blows the top off the defense. So if he's not going to do that anymore, who is going to do that? It, it, it all, it muddles everything up. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I want a part of any serious Bears. Maybe it's like Flyers, the back half of your draft or something like that, if you really wanted to, to root for your guys, but... I, at this point, I don't know that there's any wide receivers I'm particularly interested for the Bears, but they do pose an interesting value to me because I'm thinking there's probably some waiver wire gold that'll happen out of that team at some point. Sure, eventually the number one receiver on that team will be fantasy relevant, but we won't know who that is for a few weeks in the season, and Marcus Wheaton is out for the first couple of weeks with an injury too, so... We may not even know till he gets back in like week five or six what what the real deal is there. Well, then the other issue is in week ten you're going to have a different quarterback probably. <laughs> right. So that's the other situation that I've that I'm kind of building into that, which is like in week ten there might be a whole different receiver that everybody might want to look at by the time we get to there. So it's just it's it's going to be a mess. I think best to avoid if you can. Meanwhile. The Jags picked Blake Bortles for no apparent reason. Uh, he's your week one starter. So, uh, like I said, our, my projections were basically based on Bortles being the starter and it being his job. They were going to jump up if Henny took over, but since that's still not the case, I'm still low on anyone in Jacksonville, uh, and that's the way it'll stay until further notice. I agree. Until that, the, until their rookie somehow magically ends up getting the job in week 10 as well, I should... Yeah. 
He's the only one that's looked any good at quarterback, frankly, in any of the stuff I've seen, and that was yeah. against twos and threes, all of it. Right. So, meanwhile, and the only other news and note we had was uh, Vance McDonald traded to the Steelers. He was kind of a late round flyer anyway, as the San Francisco tight end because it's another system with Shanahan loves to check down and Hoyer loves to check down to the tight end. So he was kind of a a tight end two at the back end of the draft you might be looking at anyway, but now with the Steelers in an offense that loves to pass the ball around, obviously, like I said here, he would be an interesting late round guy or certainly off waivers if you're going to stream tight end, uh, depending on the matchup and how well he integrates into that team. But it's another situation where there's just so many mouths to feed that he's not someone you're really looking at drafting at this point. No, just a name to hold on to potentially because we've seen him look good you know, in real meaningful football before. Vance McDonald pretty much gets that job, i.e. the old Heath Miller job from a number of years ago. Right. So as he gets integrated into the offense, I could see, you know, good bye week streaming kind of guy. So uh, speaking of streaming, that kind of cuts us right into your articles from this week, Neil. Shh, you want to get sued? In a vacuum. The in a vacuum section on importantnonsense.com both deal with how you might want to handle different uh, positions to stream during the regular season or perhaps combos that you'd be looking at in the draft if you don't want to pay the price for a premium at that position the first was quarterbacks how you could pair up quarterbacks and uh, how that might work out for you as opposed to reaching early for a big name guy that's exactly right i went ahead and it's not a groundbreaking idea right I've just for a long time been against the idea that you need to still, in the modern football era, spend a number two or higher draft pick to get elite-level performance at the quarterback position. The position is just so deep at this point because the NFL has completely turned into a passing first league. So it's become easier in my mind than ever to find two guys that I can get in the middle towards the end of my draft when I'm filling out the kind of the, the last couple bench spots where if you want, you can carry two quarterbacks and you can kind of forecast their schedule and that can pay off in a huge way and you can, more critically, use that number two and those upper-level picks to really get those skill position guys that are going to be the key linchpin of your roster. So the first one is just a really simple one. It's uh, It was Dak Prescott. A lot of people are interested in Dak. In the Golden League, uh, Tony was able to keep him for a 16th-round uh, 16th pick. So... The question that kind of came around was, well, what do you do with that? You know, are you good with Dak being your only quarterback for the entire season? Uh, I'm not so sure I am. Because when I went through and did the math, Dak's got some really killer games that they have to play this year in Dallas. But he's got some really choice matchups. So when you lay the schedules over each other and you look at people's relative skill set, the one that caught my eye the most was actually, weirdly, Ben Roethlisberger. I know you hate this, so I know you, yeah. you've tuned out <laughs> immediately. Uh -huh. uh, but it weirdly is Big Ben because – you can play him in the home games still. He doesn't cost a whole lot. You can get him uh, at about 112 overall, which is somewhere in the 10th round. And he does have some really favorable matchups this season. They play the Bears and the Browns early, things like that. And uh, and more to the point, they're going to have you know all their weapons and everything again. So you do run the risk of injury. So I did put together some honorable mentions. The one for that uh, that was the closest and I think actually – in might be a safer way to go with maybe a little bit of a cap on the upside, a little bit more than Roethlisberger, is Philip Rivers. So just something to keep in mind. Rivers works very well with that, too. 
Right. And then there's other combinations on the article that you can check out on importantnonsense.com. And uh, you've got the tables exactly all laid right. out so everybody can see that. So uh, exactly I do definitely right. like the idea. It's definitely something that you have to prep for, though. Like, if that's the strategy you want to go with, that's fine. But it's not something that's really easy to do on the fly. So my only advice for that would just be if you are thinking about waiting on QB, if it is somewhere something where you're going to, you know, oh, I want to go with this combo, I would have a couple of guys to pair up in mind ahead of time going into your draft just so when you're on the clock and that 90 seconds or 60 seconds or 120 seconds or whatever is ticking down, you're not frantically trying to go through all the schedules and pair them all up right there on the spot. I would just yeah, kind of you'll plan never that, get that out ahead done. of time. You'll never get that done efficiently. So that's why I was trying to close with look at the honorable mentions for every pairing because the honorable mentions are guys that you can get that will work. So I already took some of the, the work out there. But if you don't like my combos and you want to make your own tables, really easy to do. But to his to, to Steve and mine's point, make sure you have three or so other guys that you're okay with rolling with and in addition to the main guy you're targeting. And then the other one was uh, streaming a defense because it's popular at this point. You should be drafting your defense and kicker with your last two picks. At the very worst, you would be taking a defense and kicker with your second to last two picks and then a streamer guy in the last round if you want to like get out ahead of everybody, I guess. But I wouldn't take anything higher than that. That's not just our own personal philosophy. That's just common sense at this point because those things are so hard to project and predict that reaching on either position is kind of a risky endeavor. But, I mean, I've seen a lot recently I'm in a couple of different uh, leagues where you don't have to take a defense and kicker and people just completely pass on it and just will take whatever there is available off of waivers and, you know, what you're suggesting here, Neil, with the stream and the defense is kind of along those same lines where you can take a defense last and not care whichever one you get because you want to play it kind of week to week. That's exactly right. So this is something that can be done. You just need to really monitor the waiver wire. So the way I have it laid out right now, it'll actually, when you see the article, there will be options that are listed for every week. But for the sake of making this very simple, I like Oakland through the start of the year. Their first three games are super easy. Not a good defense, so they're not being drafted. If you just run out on defense, and this is, by the way, the only time if I was going to try this, if defense gets run on early, I would actually take my kicker first and then just not care which defense I get at the end. Hmm. So Oakland through three. In three, if you don't want to play Oakland, you can cut them and take Miami because I'm going to have Miami potentially all the way to week seven. There are other options, but you could literally run Miami three to seven. Switch it back to Oakland for week eight. Week nine, you can have either Buffalo or the Jets. And if you like Buffalo, keep them for week 10. Week 11, which is the playoffs in the Golden League. I'm actually recommending you play Chicago. I know it sounds insane, but they have a really great matchup that week. And the same thing with the Browns. So, again, they'll be there for you. They have a great matchup. From there, it actually starts going into the playoffs. So I'll leave that for the actual article itself. Uh, just because by then, if you're going to make the playoffs, my advice is maybe don't stream defense through your playoffs especially this season. There's some real gimmicky kind of stuff you could try, but uh, typically my advice is I stream through the regular season, and then if I'm going to go to the playoffs like I you know, would hope to be, then I'm probably going to go ahead and try and work some sort of trade with somebody who's potentially eliminated to get a defense I like for the playoffs. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I would agree with all of that that you said there. I mean, it happens every single season where everybody will take a defense, so there's 12 off the board, or sometimes people take two. 
So there's 14 yeah. or 15 defenses off the board, and then I'll pick somebody up in week one or two off of waivers, and they turn out to be the number one defense that season. So it, it, it happens every year. The defense is so hard to predict that, I mean, if you even look at the projections on ESPN.com, like the stats they actually project out, the difference in like projected points between the number six defense and number 16 is always like 10 or 11 points. It's nothing crazy. So they don't even know what to do with that. They even admit that on their own media, by right. the way. They even say this. They say don't draft the defense early because, frankly, we don't even know who the good defenses are until week four because defense turns over so much year on year for most teams. So uh, with that, that's kind of it for our NFL preview this week because, uh, like you said, we've given so much information already to uh, to the first two podcasts and then through the website itself. So for all those NFL listeners, that's kind of all we have for you this week. Uh, we warned you it would be a Golden League-heavy episode, and that's exactly what you're getting, so we're going straight into the uh, the Golden League update. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League update. I love gold! On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Alright, so this past weekend was our keeper deadline. Everybody selected their two keepers. Uh, so we've got two players on each roster set, and we're getting ready for so Sunday's draft coming up. It's uh, this Sunday at 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. It happens every single year. Don't be thrown off by the fact that ESPN's website says 6 p.m. because it's Eastern time. It's always Eastern time. So 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this Sunday, can't wait. Always excited for it. I've got everybody listed here in the order from uh, bottom to top in uh, our odds. Remember last year, footballguys.com started doing this for us. They gave us our Vegas-style odds, and the odds are ranked based on the uh, keepers that you kept, the two players you have at the value, your draft board, and your history, your success in the league. So because of that, in... uh, (laughs) No surprise, our first person we're talking about tonight is Mr. Matthew Herrick, who last season went 5-6, and six, finished in 8th place. He is projected at 30-1 to one to win the Smithy Cup. It is the longest odds we've ever had in league history. His two keepers, Jimmy Graham in the 10th, Mike Wallace in the 11th. And uh, the reason he's down here at the bottom of the list is he's got no picks in the 3rd, 4th, 5th, ninth, or 10th picks twice in just the eighth and then three times in the 12th round so that's where he's going to get the bulk of his roster the 12th round good luck with that sir uh the fun note i gave to you yesterday fun is a relative turn it's not fun for matt (laughs) it's fun for me the most uh (laughs) front-loaded draft is brian he makes his 11th selection including keepers at pick 57 so he'll have 11 players when he chooses at pick 57. Matt, eight picks later at pick 65, will be making his fifth. So Brian will be four players deep into his bench before Matt even has part of a starting roster. And uh, like I said, this is what this is what was going to happen. I said it last year that Matt was going to set himself back not only one year but a couple of years. Because he put himself in such a draft pick hole that he was going to be awful this season, and I don't know if he'll be able to rebound next year unless he hits a couple of home runs here. 
So he's he's really he's digging himself out of a ditch with a, a spoon at this point. <laughs> I wish him luck. I mean, thirty to one is not <laughs> is not kind. Uh, he, he knows he knows the the hill that he has to scale. You know, you can't even mock for this. So I would just be really trying to nail all my like back end twelve round guys, and that would probably include taking people that are like potentially backups to other people. And it's kind of icky, but you're kind of hoping somebody's going to go down because I don't know how else you're going to recoup this roster to make it work. You're basically taking a whole bunch of lottery tickets, hoping that you end up hitting on something. That that's your only shot. Which we see every year because that's the the draft is going to be brutal. Hopefully he can do better on the waiver wire throughout the year. Yeah, before this, the lowest odds ever was always a new team, and the new teams are both listed at twenty and one. The next one on our list is Lisa, the uh, our first female competitor. She's coming in, like I said, starting fresh. She selected the Texans defense in the ninth round. And Steven Goskowski in the 12th, which is actually the special teams combo that I drafted last year in the, uh, the draft. So good luck, Lisa. <laughs> it's gonna, it did not work out well for me, so hopefully it works out better for you this season. Uh, she's here, like I said, simply because of lack of history in the league. So because of that, it downgrades her to pretty much the default of 20 to 1. But uh, as I've told you, this would be my value play. Of all the odds, if I could get uh, some action on Lisa 20 to 1 to win the cup, because I feel like she has a legitimate shot to draft a good enough team and manage her team well enough to make the playoffs in her rookie year, just like David did last season. So, because of that, I mean, like I said, 20 to 1, I think she's probably got the best odds if you were going to actually go to the window and play this. Sure, at 20 to 1, I mean. Right. It's better than they were paying for that, Mayor, that, uh, that McGregor knockout. When they opened the bidding, yeah. that was like fifteen to one. Yeah. Yeah. The other reason, the other reason that that might be a good value bet is because she's getting the number. One, she was fortunate enough to get the number one overall selection, which means she will in all likelihood be starting the season with Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown. So it, there's also that. I know that doesn't get calculated into the. Well, it does factor in her draft board. The fact oh, it that does. she's okay, got number so one. The, yeah. So it knows that she's going to get something nice. So yeah, yeah, but either way, I mean. That does help, you know, when you know you're going to get something, mm-hmm. something theoretically that's been really stable. Right. Plus having the consistent draft board. But then, like I said, it's just she, she's the only reason she's at the bottom of the list here is just because she's got no real history in the league. And just from playing with her last season, I have a feeling that she'll be able to do well enough to uh, to put herself in a good position this year. Uh, on the same note, 20 to 1 as well. Paul just barely edges her out by percentage points simply because... He's been in the league before, and it hasn't been since 2008, though. That's the thing. So he has not played with us with the draft pick trading and the PPR and the keepers and all this we've added in since then. Yeah, exactly. So he selected the Chiefs defense in the 12th and Matt Prater in the 16th. Boy, Uh, I know how much you love the Chiefs defense. Oh, yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, you're a uh, huge fan. I mean, look, all things considered, what he could have taken there, it would have been a 15th round pick on something, and he gets the Chiefs for a 12th, so it's not terrible value for that. I'm fine no, with taking, I'm the taking the Chiefs in the 12th round. I, I just know you don't like the Chiefs defense as a general rule. That's not all. at all, no. 
but I, I don't mind the Chiefs there in the 12th. That's fine. It's the people going for like the Seahawks in the eighth that I don't understand. We we've been we we just went through that with the streaming defenses. Never right. do that. Exactly. Just to put a to put a fine point on it. Just don't do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm, I I have no idea what to expect from Paul because it's been basically a decade since he's played in the league. So. I don't no really have much analysis to uh, to do on no. Paul's team because I don't know what we can do for that. Yeah, wild card. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> exactly. Next up is uh, 18 to 1, David Flynn. He was 6 and 5 last year, finished in fourth place, kept Tom Brady in the fourth, and then, as you mentioned earlier, Chris Hogan in the tenth. He's rolling the dice on uh, getting Chris Hogan, hoping he's going to take that Julian Edelman role. It was an interesting play when I saw him make that choice on Saturday. So uh, the extra week really helped him out because certainly wouldn't be doing that if Edelman stayed healthy through that third game. So it's very he he didn't make any draft pick trades, so he's got a straight draft board. And uh, I don't know how to peg him down because as we've talked about before, he's kind of all over the place. So he's one of the limited sample size. Right, well. but in that first season, just one of the hardest teams for me to predict on a weekend, week out basis. So uh, I don't know what to project for. I can't blame the system for putting them at eighteen and one because they can't even figure out what it is he, he's going to no, do because, this year. Exactly, and it has to do partially with Chris Hogan because I mean he had other options on that team, and it's he's going to have Chris Hogan in the tenth. I don't even know how to peg Chris Hogan. Is he going to yeah. be the same guy that he was last year? High expectations and the disappoints, or is he going to get that Julian Edelman role and run with it? Right, exactly. It's it's so hard to nail down any of it. It also has to do with your <laughs> you're playing with the Patriots. I mean, we've been very clear on all the Patriots are a dice roll. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. It's a bold strategy indeed. Tom Brady the fourth though. Yeah, Tom Brady. Tom Brady fourth, that's a good value. You got to admit the fourth, that. Though. I'll give you that. Like, Tom Brady the fourth though. I like that. Can't go wrong when you're. Building around terrific Tom. I'm a guy who likes to play value QBs, so Tom Brady the fourth. That's pretty good value. Yeah. Next up at 16 to one, it is Mr. Kevin McCarthy who finished second last year with a record of seven and four. He's got the Dallas Cowboys running back as his keeper. Zeke Elliott in the first round, Darren McFadden in the 16th. No matter what ends up happening with that whole suspension nonsense, he's set there. The issue for Kevin this season, he's got no third, fifth, or sixth. He does pick twice in the 7th, 8th, and 11th to make up for it, but it's the most depleted draft board he's ever had to deal with in his career, so I think this is going to be the most challenging draft he's ever had to encounter. I agree with that. This is going to be the biggest hole he's ever had to try and navigate around in a draft. It's a three-round hole, and he's going to need to hit on several of these guys, especially the 7th and 8th. So I trust to be able to do it, just because we've never seen it before, he's never had to do it, it's kind of unknown. I understand how he gets to 16-1. Plus, also, Elliott being suspended for six games minimum for now. Again, right. pending appeal. That, mm-hmm. I'm sure, isn't helping it. Right. Next up, we've got Tony at 27-2. to And that just means he was razor thin to uh, the 13-1 and ranking of the guy ahead of him. He went 8-3 and three last year, finished in third place. He won the MVP award. Uh, easily the best season of his career. He kept Marco Murray in the third, Dak Prescott, as you mentioned, in the 16th. He gave up his first-round pick in order to gain a second, eighth-round pick to try to win with Le'Veon Bell last year. Uh, 
same thing with Kevin. He's never had to deal with that type of issue before, but not having a third-round pick because of Murray, but he still has DeMarco Murray. It's just can he capitalize like he did last year on the picks he's got? And I think that's why he gets rated just slightly ahead of Kevin. It's because he's got not – the hole he has to overcome is just a little bit smaller than the one Kevin has to wade through. Right. At 27 so to 2, good. it's technically 13 and a half to 1. You're like splitting hairs right there. So he's he's a, a, a higher up at, than Kevin, but he's just right behind the next group of guys that are all bunched up together. Yeah, and it just it's just a question of can he – can he catch lightning in a bottle twice? And the issue he's had is he's never had two consecutive years where he's had, you know, big seasons. It, it's, there's always kind of been a dip off the following year. So, you know, can he sustain the success that he had last year? And, you know, maybe with the value keepers, that that's something that he could do. It's entirely possible, which is why he's at 13 and a half to one, because DeMarco Murray in the third is not something you're going to get in a redraft league, nor is got for free at the end of the draft. The guy he's just hovering behind is Mr. Flynn at 13-1. to 1. Uh, He finished 5-6 and six last year in 7th place. Continues the Packer love by keeping Ty Montgomery in the 15th and Devontae Adams in the 16th. You can't argue with the value, but the, uh, the comical love of the Packers continues. So we appreciate that. He I look forward no to you second. drafting Aaron Rodgers in the second round, by the way. Yeah. He has no Looking second round pick, uh, but oh, he has sorry, two the third, the in the 7th. The interesting note about him is he made the playoffs each of his first seven seasons that he was in the league from 08 to 2014. Then he finished 5 and 6 in 2015 and had the stacked draft board. And we were all, he was the odds on favorite to win last season. And he ends up going 5 and 6 again and his second straight season missing the playoffs. So now with the pressure kind of off of him, is it possible for him to rebound and get back to the playoffs and be a contender yet again this year? Kind of depends on the Packers season, doesn't it? I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> that was, uh, I... Do you have a rim shot? Can, can I get a rim shot? Can I... <laughs> I set that up for you to spike it. That was, that was good. No, uh, yeah, with him, he's always there, but it's yeah. kind of what we've talked about, where you're the team that comes in with the hype and the pressure because you have a ton of top-loaded draft picks, and if a couple of them fall off, you gave up your mid-round picks to get them, and you lose depth. So exactly. I think the lack of depth really hurt him last year. And uh, because of that, I think he kind of slipped, whereas this season it's a more balanced draft board for him, which gives him a better shot. I just think there's better keepers and potentially better teams out there that he's going to be really competing for one of those last playoff spots again like he was last year. That's That's where I would view him as well he's he's looking at that five six spot to try and try and come in the back way and uh and hopefully get back to the to a deep playoff run the only other thing about his team is that i always wonder about with him we've talked about this before is in his draft strategy is can he avoid the shiny new toy no that's my only note on him is can he avoid the shiny new toy and the answer historically has been no (laughs) meanwhile sandman in his second season was two and nine last year 11th place, he's 12-1, to 1, uh, up into like the playoff echelon, if you will. He's got uh, Kyle Rudolph and the Martavis Bryant trade with you in the 16th. First has, ever, baby! 
two fours, two fives, and two sixes. So he's got a big cluster of picks right there in the mid rounds. But because of that, he only has one pick between his 70th pick in round six and pick 147 overall in the 13th round. And that's pick 86 in the eighth. So there's a huge amount of space in between his depth picks, which is kind of what we were talking about before with uh, with Mr. Flynn. So he has the top-heavy board and kind of has to hit on those guys because he's not going to be able to build the depth from the mid-rounds like you normally would. Exactly. So he's going to have to hit some home runs early, which is part of the reason why he wanted Martavis Bryant for me. Because that's a, that's a lottery ticket-ish kind of thing, but he's going to play for his team, even with it being all top-heavy like that. Because he knows he's going to be dealing with depth issues all season. So he's going to have to manage it off the waiver wire. So we'll see if he can turn it around here in year two. Because a lot of teams do, this is where teams sort of start to get a leg up and start to be able to do things because at least you don't have to keep a defense and a kicker anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, next, also at 12 to 1, is me. 7 and 4, finished in fifth place. Julio Jones in the first round and Jay Ajayi in the 10th. I have no 2, 4, or 12. And I picked twice in the 6th and 7th. I also have a run of 6 picks between picks 58 and 87 overall. That's where the chunk of my roster will be taken. I always hate to evaluate myself. So if you have any comments, go right ahead. My my whole thing was last year, I went into it with low expectations because I had no 2, 4, or 6. And I still came out of it with a decent team, went 7-4 and four and made the playoffs. So this year I have no 2, 4, or 12. So I'm in a better spot, <laughs> technically. So it's arrows pointing up, right? You would think. You have good keepers. Right. I think that's how a big chunk. It's the keepers in the history. Yeah. Because you've got this huge chunk of dynasty runs. It's like you have good teams three years in a row, and then you right. go into purgatory for a couple of years. And then you come back and like win a couple titles. I don't so, go to purgatory. I bottom out. That's what well, happens you come to there. Miami Dolphins. You yeah. know, like the actual Miami Dolphins. But, uh, no, I think you'll be fine. I know you know how to pick in those middle rounds is the right. thing. So I know I don't worry about you. I don't downgrade you when you have something like this because I know you'll find the guys 58 to 87 that you'll hit enough of them that you'll either trade some of them off like you like to do and get shiny new toy, big name guy. Right. Or you'll just roll with the melange of those guys if you picked well enough. So. I'm not too worried about it. I think 12 and 1 is probably about right for you. And I was, fr- I'm frankly expecting to see you in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you're right there next, a 10 to 1. Uh, so you're kind of the last of that four team cluster that's right there competing for the playoff spots. Last year, you went 9 and 2, finished in sixth, losing to two thumbs pointing at this guy. David Johnson in the first, Matt Ryan in the 15th, because you traded the 16th as part of the Martavis Bryant deal. Uh, so basically you have a straight-up draft board because you did the same trade you always like to do, tit for tat. Best NBA manager in uh, fantasy football. Exactly. Three team deals. Uh, five straight playoff berths for you and six of the seven since the merger in 2009, so pretty impressive there. Always kind of have you penciled into the playoff picture, and when you got David Johnson and Matt Ryan to build around, it's not hard to see why you're always there. I don't like to evaluate myself, so I don't really have any notes on me. That's fair. I'm fine with that. So I'm just going to say you're going to go 5-6 and six and win the championship, or you're going to go 9-2 and two and lose in the first round. Cause that's uh, that's how my MO. That's how I roll. That's, yeah. that's how fantasy that's football it. operates. Uh-huh. <laughs> so speaking of razor thin, right next is Brian. 
just barely behind Flynn. He's in the number two slot at 11 to 2 odds, which is basically 5.5 to 1. It, it literally could not be closer. He finished 4 and 7 last year in a ninth place, but the big thing for Brian is he got to keep Michael Thomas in the sixth and Terrell Pryor in the 14th. He has two picks in the second, third, fourth, fifth, and ninth rounds. Altogether has nine selections in the top 57, as I mentioned earlier, to go with his keepers. Picks 99 and 100, however, are his only picks between picks 57 and 149. But even still, you and me were talking offline the other day about how he is just completely loaded in the top half. The issue we've seen with these teams typically is that they get all their starters in the front half and then they don't get to build their depth until much later when all the runs have happened, when the guys they were hoping would still be there are gone. People like Sandman who are going to be able to build the front end of their roster but not the back and the meaty part of it that you have to build around. Whereas Brian will literally have 11 players on his roster when we get to pick 57. So he'll have his starters, he'll have backups, he'll have bi-week fill-ins, he'll have concession guys for his stadium, he'll have everything he could possibly dream of uh, going into uh, to the regular season. And like I said, at f- pick 57, he'll basically be done. He can go have a snack yeah. for about an hour and a yeah. half until his next pick. And then uh, he'll come back and pick a couple of guys that he'll end up cutting in week two or three anyway. Yeah, it. this might be the most stacked draft board we've ever seen. Because I don't know how many player teams we've ever seen that would have 11 guys on their yeah. roster before we even got to the 60th pick in the draft. It's unheard of. It's crazy. So he is so loaded that... You know, I kind of want to be sarcastic and just say I can't wait to see how he's going to lose every game 190 <laughs> to, like, 175. Yeah. That would be petty. But, no, in all seriousness, the way that this laid out, uh, I have I would have Brian potentially looking at making a title shot this year unless some sort of abysmal Kafka-esque series of horrible events would have to happen to his fantasy football team. Yeah, pretty much uh, every week we're just going to be looking at Brian's score and just saying... <laughs> It's going to be every single week. They're just going to, please, Brian, enough is enough. And uh, he could threaten to break his own record for points scored in a season. It's it, He could have perhaps the most dominant team ever. It's quite possible. If there's any team that will derail him, it's it's this guy. If you want to crown him, then crown him. The Flynn dynasty. Steve Flynn coming off his first, finally first title. After so many deserving seasons, in his least deserving year, he wins it, of course, because that's how fantasy football <laughs> how works. fantasy works. So uh, still bitter that he's got Melvin Gordon in the fourth round, because that should have been mine. But whatever. <laughs> not, not, not losing sleep over it. But, but Flynn's got no, Melvin Gordon in the you're fourth. not bitter at all, folks. Jordan Howard in the 16th. He has two first-round picks two picks in the second and third so he has six picks in the first three rounds so uh, if you're him however he has no picks in the fourth sixth seventh or eighth so like we were just talking about about sandman and teams in the past he has enough to build a starting roster in the first couple of rounds but you can't bust because if any of those guys miss you're not taking any depth until much later 
in the draft when a lot of the guys you were hoping to target are already gone. So it could become an issue for him down the line. But, I mean, hell, he wasn't even supposed to win four games last year, and he went 8-3 and three and won the yeah. title. So, he's not even supposed to. This is all gravy. This is just a yeah, victory lap. He's got the so, Midas touch at this point. This is a victory lap. I mean, I still want my Punt 2016 t-shirts. Right. <laughs> in all seriousness, this is the – This in no way should anyone be surprised if the championship game this year is – Flinny versus Brian. This should, yep. That should shock no one right. at this point. <laughs> like yep. it, they're just super loaded, and, and like you, I trust Flynn to work the waiver wire and be able to find replacements at a level that is above what other people in the league, I think, I don't want to say can do, but we'll put the time in to do is more the issue. I know Flynn's going to hawk it, and he's going to know what he wants and will manage it, and I know some people just don't. They're not on it at that level. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Brian versus Flynn at this point seems like the uh, the clear-cut path, but I will remind you that at this time last year, the uh, the, the two favorites heading into the season were Flynn Sr. and Matt Herrick, who both missed yep. the playoffs. So yep. it's a complete crapshoot. Anything can happen. And we know that That's if... That's why we uh, play the games. Exactly. If, uh, if anybody is going to uh, compete with Brian and Flynn for the title this year, we all know that it's going to be Matt who will go 6-5 and five for no reason and then trade his entire draft board to get Le'Veon Bell and end up... Uh, somehow work some sort of ridiculous trade to get a bunch of legitimate players for a bunch of, like, magic beans to beans. And and it's going to be hilarious to watch it happen little by little. Yeah. I'm waiting for that this season where he's going to somehow rework these trades that hurt him last year to somehow figure out how to get, how to get right. And if he can't compete this year, at least do the heavy lifting to get next year at least you're back on the right foot that's barely humanly possible yeah, i don't know if it's humanly possible i just don't so uh <laughs> hey as we've pointed out crazier things have happened that's it for this week it has been an, an abbreviated show but we are gearing up for the draft this weekend i am completely looking forward to it favorite day of the year every year so it's a holiday sure baby keep, uh, be sure to keep following up with us on uh, twitter again i am at nonsense underscore steve you're at nonsense underscore neil or on important nonsense on the fantasy life app so uh, neil anything to close out just good luck do some mock drafts if you haven't done them yet because it's this is it this is the final push uh just good luck to everybody and uh, shame on all those people that drafted early and have stuck people with julian edelman and cameron meredith for the season because that's ugh, that's that's <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so uh be sure to uh read neil's articles on importantnonsense.com and good luck to everybody in their drafts this weekend unless you're in the golden league then good luck just to me and uh yep. i will and read, yeah, we'll be... read steve's articles don't don't just read mine read steve's articles yeah well if you have the time but uh <laughs> until next week everybody keep up the nonsense Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast was provided by Lee Rosebeer and Lane Genie. Thank you for listening. Be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.